Hello, and welcome to a Bridgeband Group podcast. Many school district leaders, particularly those in urban areas, struggle to reduce dropout rates, but find themselves overwhelmed by the dimensions of the problem. There are, however, a few districts making notable progress towards reducing the number of dropouts and ensuring that students earn high school diplomas in a timely manner. One of these is the Portland, Oregon Public Schools, or PPS. In the course of a single calendar year, from 2007 until 2008, PPS began to have a positive impact in addressing its dropout problem. The key was gathering data that illuminated the true scope of the problem, identifying predictive indicators to spot high-risk students, and then marshalling teachers, administrators, and support services to focus on those individual students entering ninth grade who are at the highest risk of dropping out of high school. To find out more about the data that Portland had uncovered and how it was putting that data to use, Bridgepan partner Daniel Stid recently sat down with Dr. Leslie Rennie-Hill, former chief of the PPS Office of High Schools and now an independent education consultant, as well as Carol Smith, currently superintendent of the Portland Public Schools. Uh, Carol Nusley, great to have you with us today. Thanks for making time. Uh, let's let's start off the conversation by exploring your decision to focus your dropout prevention strategy around the students transitioning into high school in the ninth grade year. What what was the thing that prompted you to start there? I would say uh, far and away it's the data, data and the initial work that we did with Connected by Twenty Five that was then picked up when we began working with Bridgespan in the Office of High Schools in Portland. Definitely um, through a very careful data analysis of the 2004 student cohort, we understood where those students were um, falling off, and that really helped set the stage for all of our interventions. And Carol, could you talk to the decision to, to focus on the ninth grade year as a starting point for this dropout prevention work? One of the most powerful things we learned was the number of students who actually graduated four years later. 54% graduated in four years, 57% in five years. That was way bleaker data than what we track by our um, using the Oregon Department of Education methodology for tracking graduation rates. Um, and the second thing that I would say led us again to the ninth grade or began our like deeper look at ninth grade was we learned that Students who were on track credit-wise at the end of ninth grade, their ninth grade year, were five times more likely to graduate. That's a powerful piece of data that then led us to do a deeper inquiry there to see if we could learn what are the things that we needed to do. And I will say that I'll, I'll hand that back over to Leslie because she, at that point, was leading the Office of High Schools and took that piece of data and worked with Bridgespan to figure out how do we pick this apart and learn more about that. Um, and then devise the strategies that we may use to try and impact it. So very powerful. It was that analysis that let us see that by far the highest leverage point to intervene would be success in the ninth grade. We took a look at the Chicago Consortium research on the power of that, of, of ninth grade success, and we just said, okay, that's our smartest place to move. Let's go. And, and at this point, you're now in, in the second year of this work, having uh, started it in the fall of 2008 or 2007, rather, and you're already seeing uh, what look to be uh, some quite promising results in terms of the reduction of the number of students who are experiencing, you know, multiple course failures uh, in the ninth grade, uh, increases in attendance. Uh, what do you think have been the most important factors behind this initial success? That's a great question, and 
we were really startled to see the results that we did after the first year. And we were, we were cautiously encouraged, I'd say. First of all, the focus on students by name. We got tremendous support from the middle schools, from the eighth grade teams. And so when we asked, after the students were identified as academic priority, for additional information about these kids, we got it. And then for the first time in the district, every high school received a list by name of those students who had academic, who were of academic priority. They had achievement issues. They had learning issues. They might have had also home or behavioral issues that, that needed extra support. That was huge. And, and, um, and also it put a face on the data, made it real for folks. The other thing is we were able to, with the support of the superintendent's office, the first year we had targeted resources. And we did that in a site-based way. I think by doing that, we really built ownership on the part of the um, schools to address this. And because we had such different levels of um, numbers of academic priority students at our different high school campuses and in our different schools, really a wide range across the district, we were able to differentiate in a way that made sense. So I would say focus on individual students, targeted resources, a site-based design, and then monthly accountability that was not a gotcha, that was not heavy-handed, but was really inquiry-based. What did the data say using district data systems? How are our ninth graders doing on attendance, on achievement in their classes? How do we know? What are you doing? What's working? What's not? Building learning communities. Um, the, the high school principals met in small groups and worked together to problem-solve. And I think that that really had a positive effect. And the other piece of that is that Bridgespan was able to then, at the end of that first year, say, how did the students do? How, you know, give us some really clear performance data. That, then, is, if you think of that flywheel concept of it's going slow, it's going slow, and then finally it's starting to move faster, I think that helped the flywheel. Carol, how did things look to you from the superintendent's office around this initiative? You obviously had participated in the formation of it, but then... You know, as it was up and running, you became the superintendent there in the district. So how did you think about this, and what do you see as the success factors behind it from your position? Well, part of what Leslie just referenced in terms of committing resources in our budget, um, one of the things that we did, and the power to differentiate resources based on need at the school level, really important factor. Mm -hmm. um, and we had them for the first year, we had those as um, – a targeted resource, a priority funding is what we call it, but it was a, like a one-year funding. By year two, we moved it into the budget as being a piece of our, um, like a key, a key strategic initiative. So it became part of our core budget, which was an important yeah. factor. I think the bridge span uh, analysis of the data at the end of the year allowed, it made it very visible to people which strategies had been successful and which not, because as Leslie said, they were all really decided on a site-based um each site decided their own strategy, but they then, and tracked their progress monthly. They then shared which ones, the, the success of those at the end of the year and made visible, okay, as you're planning for next year, let's look at the ones that we really got high success. So yeah. it, we've narrowed the field of then what are the, the most effective strategies. I think that's been very powerful. And it was just exciting to see what kind of outcomes we got quickly. One of the things that led us to, though, is, okay, so when we're looking at our eighth to ninth transition, the wide variability of students who are entering ninth grade prepared then leads us back to try and build what's going on in our middle schools and, where you know, the clusters that are actually the feeder pattern leading up to those high schools 
where we're digging back further and trying to figure out how do we identify milestones further back in those students' schooling that um, help strengthen how many students are actually prepared as they enter ninth grade. Uh, what it led us to is developing a milestone framework that is pre-K-12 and really looking at um, like what we are expecting at each of those key milestones and what supports we're building in place um, all the way through to make sure we're increasing the number of students who are ready to enter ninth grade at the point they're entering. And we've strengthened our eighth to ninth transition programs, and we've been using this as a platform for the conversations we're doing with the city in terms of how can they participate as a partner. What advice would the two of you give to leaders of other districts that are contemplating a major initiative to address the, the dropout crisis based on your experience over the past couple of years? The power for us was having using our own data um, to figure out our points of focus and then having it be very focused and, and, and engaging people in regular checkpoints and a regular discussion with colleagues about the success of the initiative. Leslie led a monthly group of small groups of principals who were keep holding doing accountability with each other about the success of the initiative in their school. So I think the um, it was personal for the mm-hmm. principals really with each other. They felt the accountability to each other and with each other for guiding this all the way through. So it was a very, and Leslie had a very honed-in focus on moving this across the years. I agree 100%. And in these tight budget times, when the pressure is on implementing programs and how many kids can you serve, it's really hard to make the space to pay for the data analysis before and especially at the end. And I think that we wouldn't be where we were unless we had, unless we had devoted resources to that. The other thing that I go back to that that I think is really healthy, and as we go into the 07 cohort study, I think it comes to the fore again. That is, um, you know, Michael Fullen's idea of the um, inside-outside model. Mm. I think that that the uh, role of the community, the role of a nonprofit like the Public Portland Schools Foundation, um, the the gentle pressure, the visibility, uh, holding our feet to the fire, but doing it as a partner, side by side. It's engaged us in a conversation with the city, and our new mayor has actually picked up the Connected by 25 data and has used it as a cornerstone of his agenda as mayor and has convened now an education cabinet that actually builds off of the work here and has actually picked up the ninth grade counts as a key piece of the initiative across the six districts that serve Portland students. Mm-hmm. So part of the launching pad, like it was very scary to put, mm-hmm. for, put, to put forward this data because it's very yeah. raw. And as a city, like a city in like Portland, who where people feel pretty good about their school system, to understand the truth of how many students are actually graduating four years later is it's raw information, and we've kind of moved into that pretty just full blast, and are really engaging the city and how do we come up with strategies and our other school districts, local school districts that we're looking at how do we measure common data points, how do we come up with common strategies, and how do we engage the support of our nonprofit community and city leaders and, and county. Um, so it's actually been very, what was scary in putting forth very um, bleak data has actually become very powerful in terms of what we're being able to harness in moving forward. For more information about this topic and many others regarding strategy, capital, and talent in the nonprofit sector, please visit us at www.bridgeband.org.